0: Welcome to another episode of Criterion on the Couch, a podcast from two amateur film buffs as they make their way through the vast Criterion collection one title at a time, all from the comfort of the couch. We record each episode immediately after we watch each film. I'm Adam Urich, along with Jim Massessa. Today's episode features It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Jim's going to take us through the official Criterion summary and specs.
1: Stanley Kramer followed his Oscar-winning Judgment at Nuremberg with this sobering investigation of American greed. Ah, uh, who are we kidding? It's a Mad, 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 Mad World about a group of strangers fighting tooth and nail over buried treasure is the most grandly hair-brained movie ever made, a pileup of slapstick and borscht belty one-liners performed by a non parel cast including Milton Berle, Sid Caesar, Ethel Merman, Mickey Rooney, Spencer Tracy, Jonathan Winters, and a boatload of other playing-to-the-rafters comedy legends. For sheer scale of silliness, Kramer's wildly uncharacteristic film is, unlike any other, an exhilarating epic of tomfoolery. This movie came out in 1963. Wow, I thought it was much sooner, much more recent than that. We watched the 163-minute version uh it's in color 5.1 surround sound 2.76 to 1 aspect ratio and if you're following along at home this is criterion number 692
0: yeah well done yeah so there, there were a, i think a couple, a couple different versions yeah. the the blu-ray that uh has it's a like a five disc set with multiple dvds Nonsense. two blu-ray two blu-rays um it's got uh it's got a ton of special features. And the theatrical version, the general release version, I think is what they called it, is the is the version that we watched. There's a 197-minute version that's also there. Uh, we decided not to watch that. That one's like, uh, I think from reading the description, they they found a lot of older footage, audio, yeah. and were able to put it together to make an even bigger version of this movie, which honestly, I don't know how you could. I mean, not not to say that the movie is was bad or that I didn't like it because I I actually did like it. It's it's actually really funny. I think it still holds up.
1: This was the first movie we watched with an intermission built into it?
0: Yeah, I think so. Which (laughs) is something they used to do with older movies, I think, probably. I think they probably, movies kind of stopped doing that probably like in the 70s, late 60s, 70s. Like a movie like Ben-Hur would have had an intermission. Dr. Zhivago. Right, those like epic films, which I think kind of actually is funny in that sense that it's, they've made this. This comedy is essentially an epic comedy.
1: Yeah, that's true. Epic comedy. Yeah, it was it was funny. I I mean, it was long, but it was pretty non. There wasn't like a lot of slow scenes that made you feel like it was long. It was pretty right. much I don't want to say nonstop action because it's not really an action well, it, movie, but
0: but it kind of was. I mean, the it was filmed. It felt at least you know, especially starting out with like you know, it's got like a helicopter pop, a helicopter shot with the car mm-hmm. speeding around. I mean. The explosions, there was a ton of action in this movie. They broke a lot of stuff. They broke a lot of stuff.
1: (laughs) This had to have been an expensive production. I didn't look it up, but so much stuff gets destroyed in this movie.
0: Well, also, too, the cast. I mean, you're talking about some of the biggest names in comedy Mm -hmm. Uh, and you put them all into one movies, whether they had, whether they were, you know, some of the main characters or whether they just had little cameos in the film. I mean, it was just a, right.
1: Jerry Lewis had a cameo. Jack Benny had a cameo.
0: The three Stooges have a cameo, um, Don Knotts, Don Knotts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was, it was crazy.
1: I, I also felt like somebody probably died making this movie because some of those stunts were incredibly dangerous looking. The scene where, just jumping ahead here, where the plane comes into the hangar. Yeah. That was a real plane that with was. real people. Like, it wasn't a, you know, the backdrop screen. Like, uh, I don't know. I feel like if somebody didn't die, somebody was probably seriously injured. I did see on Wikipedia, I, w- I was looking ahead. The There's a scene where the plane crashes through like a sign, and they were supposed to make this sign out of like a thin paper. So when the plane crashes through, it doesn't really damage much, but they, somebody goofed up and made it out of linen, which is much stronger and it actually ripped the sides off of both wings. And in an interview with the pilot, he said, that's the closest he felt like coming to death because it actually, he was able to land the plane, but it did rip the wing, the the wings (laughs) down like to the stud or something. Yeah, I, I don't know. It seems like there was a lot of, like, crazy stunts like that. Yeah, the
0: plane... I mean, the stuff in the plane was, was nuts. There there was there... I mean, two... two Essentially, two planes. There was the 1916 right, right. biplane, which you didn't really see a lot of... It was just kind of, like, puttering along, mm-hmm. and there were more shots of that from, you know, the actors, and it was right, more right. that the plane was falling apart than it was doing stunts. But the other plane, I mean, they were... It was doing barrel rolls with, you know, people not even strapped in. Right. I mean, that... Like heading, you know, just, like, dive-bombing and, use like you said, going through the hangar and
1: Yeah, they had a whole, the like, tower. inception shot there where they were definitely turning upside down. The yeah. actors must have been strapped in, but somebody in the background is, like, rolling from the, the floor to the wall to the ceiling, so they're definitely moving yeah. around.
0: Well, that was, and I, and I can't remember the um, actor's name now off the top of my head, but that was, uh, I think it was is it, was his name, the character's name, Mr. Huxtable in, uh, was it Huxtable? Uh, in the Gilgans uh, Island?
1: Uh, no, no, it's, no. um... Yeah, Mr. Howell. Thurston Mr. Howell. Howell? Yeah,
0: Huxtable was was Bill, Cosby. Bill Cosby's
1: character. Uh He yeah, was Mr. Mr. Howell, Fitzgerald, was. I think, in this. Uh, he was yeah, like a yeah, rich Mr. guy. He, he did like Mr. Magoo and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it and something else I thought was um, they did really well in this. You know, there's there's a lot of outside shots of you know, this movie is basically one giant car chase, and it's it's not just one car chasing another. It's usually multiple cars and they're very distinct types of cars. Yeah. And when you're in the car looking at the people, it is a screen behind them.
0: Yeah, it's like rear projection.
1: But the cars are always in the right order in the screen and they they're often passing each other and moving around, but it I I was trying to like pay attention to that. I never saw a scene where it was incorrect.
0: Yeah, I thought that was really well done. I mean, the yeah, amount of was, effort. Even there was a scene where they kind of like turn they they spin around um, yeah. later in the movie and I mean it was the, car, the cars that were in the background in the wide shots were in the background in those in those rear projection And they shots. always
1: seem to have the right number of people in the car at the time because people are constantly switching cars in this or you end up with like one person jumps out and jumps in the other car. I don't know. They did that really well. There was one scene kind of in the beginning that I thought was wrong, but maybe it wasn't. I thought you could see like the coast almost like the like water, but oh. they were in the desert. But maybe that might have just been a weird shot, I don't know.
0: No, I didn't notice that.
1: I know I know I kind of got off point here, but basic plot is that a handful of people witness a guy dying, his like last breath tells them that there's like buried treasure somewhere under a big W, and then hilarity ensues as they like race to get there and be the first person.
0: Well, the opening scene is just sets the tone for the whole movie because it's just a guy speeding along and he just flies off the road. Right. Um, and then he's just, he's kind of like out of his car. They all run down and he's just kind of laying there. So, I mean, of course, like, it's, it's just completely ridiculous because obviously he wouldn't wouldn't just be like laying there yeah. all fine, no blood or anything. And um, what was it? I think the one, uh, the guy who, uh, Sid Caesar, who's the dentist, says to him,
1: Look, uh, I'm not a doctor or anything, but I have some medical experience. I'm a dentist. Do you think you're hurt?" Real bad?
0: And there's like a kind of a long pause, and he's like...
1: Is he kidding?
0: Like, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like... It just so sets up everything, like just the ridiculousness of, of what everything that they're going to do. And, of course, he, he tells them about everything, and there's like the 350 Gs and right. buried under the W. Um, then it was his, and, yeah, you know, obviously some sort of criminal or something like that. He had stolen it. And then, he, I think, at least once he kind of like goes quiet and then springs up again and... And then finally he dies, and you know he dies because he his leg flies out and he kicks a bucket. That guy's dead. <laughs> and, uh...
1: Yeah, like, think- they, they didn't really wait. There's not a lot of, like, pauses for laughter like it. Not that there would be laughter, but I feel like sometimes an older movie like this kind of like really tries to push the punchline on you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these flew by pretty quick.
0: The physical comedy is yeah. mean, right away oh, from yeah. everything. Um, and the, the one, I feel like Ethel Merman, who is uh, uh, Milton Burl's character's mother-in-law, mother-in-law. Yeah. She is like just the running gag in the whole movie of she's constantly getting like, well, one, she's dishing out, phys- you know, like hitting people with her purse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also, she's always falling over or falling down, yep. getting turned upside down and shaken to get the keys out, or she's falling into like a trash can or yeah,
1: falling I feel in the like back of the
0: car, you sitting could, on the
1: cactus. You can do a lot of this comedy nowadays because none of these people, there were no seatbelts in these cars, and in almost every scene, That's somebody's true, flying yeah. out of a seat. She she falls from like the the back seat to the front seat a couple times, I think. Yeah, I mean, I shouldn't say you couldn't do this nowadays because there was the remake or whatever it, that rat race movie was considered yeah i don't know if it was supposed to be a remake of this it was almost the same right
0: yeah i mean it's very similar in, in the sense i don't it's not really set up the same way because it's kind of like a. they know yeah they know like it's, it's, it's they it's know it's a race, race. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so i think that'd be how it starts off but it's kind of the same it's the same concept of yeah. trying to find. they're still the, playing
1: chases and car chases and they're right. all going for the money and right it's,
0: i mean a debt movie is not anywhere near as good as no this no and I think this movie does a great job because they um, just because of how over the top it is.
1: Right. I I was thinking that this was kind of like a cartoon, a live action cartoon like for grown-ups because Yeah, exactly. That's nobody totally really what it was. gets they're in in so many accidents or situations that should kill you and like nobody really gets hurt except right. the guy right in the beginning going over the cliff.
0: That's true. The only guy who actually gets <laughs> hurt even though so many people there's uh, several instances of people flying off the road exactly the same way that he right. did, and they're fine, and they're fine. But he dies.
1: Yeah, the uh, two guys in the one scene. Well, there was three of them where they go off the road, but two cars, and the one car ends up flipping on the roof, and the other guy gets out of his car, and they're they're all just then like fisticuffs and like fighting, like right. Your car rolled over. Like, I don't know. who's the tow truck driver guy? Oh. Uh, fair Lenny way. Lenny Pike I uh-huh. think his name is yeah, yeah. Jonathan Winters The scene where he just Demolishes
0: That <laughs> brand new <laughs> gas station That I feel like that scene went on It was one of those <laughs> things Where it was just It was like borderline Where it's Oh it's just That's a little much now Come on Like it just keeps going on and on But you know At one point he like Flies through the wall And it's like a per- Exact person cut out right. Which is just sort of You know you just have to Kind of laugh at that I That think was like
1: the cartoon thing of it Like come on yeah, they put a just, hole in the wall. They're he picking
0: put, up those like oil barrels and they just all happen to be empty and they're just picking <laughs> them up like they weigh nothing and throwing them at each other and like breaking bottles over each other's heads and they go into a wall and that wall falls down and then the roof falls on top of that. It's just kind of like he one. hit the
1: one guy with like one of those giant automotive wrenches, like you'd be dead. Like, yeah, he hit him in
0: the head with that and it just kind of like bounces off. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, you kind of have to have in a movie like this, you. Uh, you have that like huge strong guy who just kind of right, right. like barrels his way through everything. You kind of have to have that.
1: Yeah, it was definitely over the top, and and you're right. Kind of like you get to the point where you're like, all right, come on, but they keep going with it to emphasize like we know this is a gag.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I th- yeah I, I, that's what I think also helps too is that even the the fight scene between uh, Milton Burrell and uh, what's his name, the the British guy who's in, who's uh, oh, uh, a oh uh,
1: Hawthorne. Yeah, yeah.
0: Even their like little fight that they have where you know, they're kind of like, they like punch each other and they end up punching each other's own hands oh, and they're both yeah. like jumping up and down holding or Hawthorne falls on the ground and Milton Berle goes to kick him, but he kicks the stone and then Hawthorne right, right. gets up and kicks him in the shins and he <laughs> he's grabbing the one foot and he's just yelling like, foul, 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 instead of actually swearing. <laughs> and then he gets kicked in the shin and then grabs his other leg. It's just kind of like, it, just so over the top. But yeah. it's, but that's kind of what makes it funny about it is that it is way, way ridiculous. Yeah. In the sense, kind of, you know, I think that's kind of where the movie The Hangover why that movie was so successful and funny because it was just so far over the top. Like, you just know everything is ridiculous. And you you can just kind of... It's not a comedy that's trying to be smart or, like, tell you a story. I mean, even similarly, like, the plot is the same. They're just trying to find their friend. Right. And everything ridiculous happens one after another. These people all just trying to get to the money. Yeah. And just so many ridiculous things happen over and over and over again.
1: And you know nobody's... People might get hurt, but you know nobody's going to die. It's just... Right. It's like right. it's a slapstick movie. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. It, again, not to jump ahead too far, but the very <laughs> the final firetruck scene. I mean, people are just doing ridiculous things. They're really like over the top getting hurt. I think that that point they really uh, it was that was like a little much. Up well, they what, do.
0: And that's the one thing they do all end up in body casts. Yeah. At the end.
1: But up until that point, like everything else, I think effect-wise too looked pretty good. But that whole fire truck scene was—I don't know if there was like stop motion or—I
0: think it was something was a little weird there. Uh, that that scene, and really the only scenes that—I mean—a a huge credit to the way the film was shot because even though it, it's from 1963, I think there were the one things that kind of called it out as being dated, were the scenes from when they were in the cars and there's the rear projection. Yeah. Especially on a Blu-ray, like the quality just stands out. You I mean, you can you can notice everything. So you could tell that the footage yeah. wasn't exactly perfect or that they weren't really in the cars. They were in front of a screen.
1: But I think they cut that well enough again with like the right cars and everything. It didn't bother me. You noticed it, but I got over it very quickly.
0: Right, right. And I and unlike I mean, I'm thinking of some other um, scenes where they're in a car driving um, the movie to catch a thief uh, with Cary Grant. And they're in the car, and they're like in a convertible. So they're they're always driving, and there's really only ever that one establishing shot to show them getting in the car and driving, right, and then right. the rest of the scene is them just in the car until they get there. And those, I think, are a little much. And like you said, they, they did a great job cutting back and forth to showing the car and... And using really unique cars. There weren't very yes. few. It was never They were confused. in like a tow truck or yeah. they were in bright yellow cabs or bright red cars, bright blue cars are, you know, they're the moving van and the Volkswagen. They're they all were, very.
1: They were on like real highways going through real towns. It yeah. wasn't. I mean, it's not like uh, I always think back to uh, I think it's the second Matrix movie where there's like this long car chase with those like uh, blonde dreaded guys. Oh, yeah and it's yeah
0: the matrix revolution
1: yeah it's right? it's definitely like a matrix related. on like an airport strip or something or a closed section of like an la highway that they yeah no this is like definitely like zipping past buildings i mean there were people I, i'm sure they were stunt people but right man like some of those were cut so close that's why i think like somebody had to have gotten hurt making this movie i didn't notice any car scenes where Sometimes it's like shot normal speed, and then they speed it up to make it look like the car's moving fast. Right. I didn't see any of that. Like, no,
0: I didn't really notice any of that either. That's a good point. Uh, I didn't think about that, but yeah, I didn't notice anything where they were speeding up to, to for you know comedic effect.
1: And if like if one car was following the other car, and the first car is like kicking up a lot of dust, when they cut to the actors in the second car, they are like getting dust thrown yeah. out. So they always maintain that consistency. And that's, I mean, there were so many actors in different vehicles and chases going on. It's very commendable that they were able to keep that straight. I mean, there's a lot of modern movies that can't even do that, but I think the way they did this, it re- especially for being 1960s, I thought this was done in like the seventies the just from the, the style of it. Yeah. I'm very surprised
0: that it came out early sixties. Going back to cameos, there's one I wanted to, that might not be as noticeable that the very first time he, he said something, I'm like, I know this voice, I know this voice. And then, uh, uh, as he started talking more, I realized who he who he was. The sheriff, uh, who was... Uh, right, in the, the small very town beginning. sheriff. Yeah, the small town sheriff. Freddy got some bad news for you. Grogan's cashed in his chips. So he was the voice of Friar Tuck in the Disney version oh. of Robin Hood, the cartoon one. I right. think he was like a badger or something like that. That was... Uh, I just I'm like, oh, I know that guy's voice. Because I'm like looking at his face and I'm like, he looks really familiar... But I, I, I just couldn't place him. But then I realized as he talked more that, uh, that that's who he was. I thought that was just kind of funny to go back. I, I always loved uh, Robin Hood. Uh.
1: I like the scene with Jack Benny. He, he just says like,
0: Trouble? Having any trouble? Yes! And we don't need any help from you!
1: Before yeah. he drives off, he kind of looks towards the camera, which was like a Jack Benny thing. And right. he kind of makes his face. And in the background, you hear like the sad violin playing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> What? he always played violin as part of his like variety thing I, yeah i like that it did seem uh a, a little there were two there are not many uh black people in this movie but wow towards the beginning yeah. a couple gets run off the road and yeah. they they're like moving to L- la i guess and their jeep is like f- well it was a truck like full of furniture and it's like flying out of the as they're uh going down the hill and the music switched to like i i almost i swear it switched to like a banjo version of like i wish i was in dixie playing as they're like bouncing oh, down yeah. the hill i'm like
0: oh. yeah there was a couple <laughs> scenes that were a little i mean like-
1: this was the 60s but that still felt a little little rough and then later at the end uh when rochester is driving the cab no it's after that he he when he falls off of the um fire truck mm-hmm. everybody like falls in a unique way and he kind of like ends up in the arms of, of
0: Abraham statue Lincoln. of Abe
1: Lincoln I'm like yeah that was uh, a little uh, I don't know what they're trying to do with that but that felt a little weird yeah otherwise those. was well
0: hmm. there and then same thing uh, on a different note in the police station when they ask the girl oh, the th- female and there's like a pause as so she like gets up and there's like some of this like music playing and they all just kind of stand there and watch her go get the walk to go get the coffee <laughs> That was a little like, uh, I will say though, for the, aside from those, the, I mean, obviously the male characters have the, the main, they're, they're the comedians essentially in this, but the female characters, uh, definitely I thought were portrayed, especially, you know, you have like Ethel Merman and, um, Mm -hmm. I can't remember her name, but the, the, the woman who eventually, who's the, um, Milton Berle's wife, Monica. Yeah. Who sees the, uh, who ends up finding the, recognizing the W before anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, it's a movie in the sixties. So I feel like it wasn't, uh. I mean, it's kind of like right in a line with with everything that you would have seen there. Did
1: you notice that the um, Captain Culpepper, his wife's name is Ginger, Mm -hmm. and um, Mm -hmm. the guy who played Thurston Howell from Gilligan's Island is in this, Uh, so there was uh, a Ginger, Gilligan's Island connection there? Yeah. (laughs) I don't think I've ever seen Buddy Hackett in anything before, but he really reminded me of like, I guess, 60s version of Joe Pesci. Yes. He kind of had that like look when he got angry and his voice kind of raised, he kind of sounded like the well, an angry uh, Joe Pesci.
0: So you ha- he's, he's definitely done a lot of, he did a lot of cartoon voices and stuff. I could see that. I yeah. believe he was the, was it like the seagull in The Little Mermaid? What is it? It's a dinglehopper. Humans use these little babies to straighten their hair out. Uh, pretty sure he was the seagull and the little mermaid okay that's all i can think of i thought of that again (laughs) just going back to disney cartoon cartoon version
1: i feel like a lot of these actors did like cartoon voices later in life because they have such distinct
0: voices oh absolutely well definitely a lot of them definitely did go on and do that
1: ethel merman probably did too i know she's i've heard like some broadway soundtracks that she was on Uh, Mm -hmm. i think she was in like anything goes and some other yeah
0: she was in anything goes absolutely yeah Going back to the garage scene, um, the uh, who is it? Is Otto Meyer? What was it? What was his name? Phil uh, Phil, Phil Silver. Silver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Otto Meyer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just the scene where it just reminded me of something where they um, where they're running around the car. Just kinda like chasing each other. That happened a lot where they're just kinda like oh, yeah. different characters are like running following someone around a tree or just there were a lot of those standard comic type things that happen. Right. But the scene where he and he kinda just like rips the door off when they're running around Buddy the room. And he's kinda off. like, yeah, just well, not Buddy Hackett, the it was the tow truck driver. Yeah, wasn't it Buddy Hackett? No Buddy Hackett. No, no, Buddy no, Hackett.
1: no. Yeah, you're right. It's the uh, the other guy, uh Lenny
0: Pike. Right. Jonathan he, um, Winters. Yeah, Jonathan Winters. And he kinda just like runs through the car and grabs him. So <laughs> a long time ago when my brother, my younger brother, was maybe like, I don't know, like four or five or something like that, he did something wrong and my dad was like chasing him around the sofa and he stood on the other side of, they were like on opposite sides of the sofa, like, you know, and, and uh, my brother's like, ha, ha, ha. My dad just like stepped over the sofa and grabbed him and he was just in shock. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> um, I just thought that was kind of, that just reminded me of a funny thing. But yeah, there were definitely a lot of standard comedic things that happen yeah. in this. There's like the just like the chasing everybody around right and slipping on the banana peel at the end oh, was yeah. kind of like the perfect Chekhov's way to banana peel. It. yeah check out banana peel <laughs> i thought that was a great way to end the movie just kind of like being that very cheesy vaudevillian yeah. type of thing to do just oh we're gonna slip on the banana peel and it felt and like a it.
1: kind of open ending like that though like there, there was no like great conclusion it was just like ah everybody's laughing at the end
0: uh, well, how do you, I mean, how I don't do you, know. how, how do you wrap that up? Like, what do you, I mean, I think the chief or the chief of the captain kind of like summed it up like, Oh, what's going to happen to everybody? Like, Oh, you'll get off easy. You know, what's uh, they're going to throw the book at me. So right. he kind of sums everything up where you're like, Oh, okay. We kind of know what's going to happen to all these people. But that seems a little like
1: heavy for such a lighthearted, lighthearted movie. It kind of expected like, Oh, everybody should kind of like get off at the end. Cause like, uh, we're not taking it too seriously. But he's like, yeah, they're going to throw the book at me like oh well that's
0: but you kind of knew that was gonna happen he like rips up the guy's pension check and the, uh the chief did the chief rips up his pension check yeah
1: yeah well so the other thing i don't get is i felt like the the police department knows it's 350 three hundred and fifty
0: thousand yeah they don't
1: that... know where it is and i think that's why they're letting everybody go so they can follow them and figure out where the money is but <laughs> they're also letting them do a ton of damage, which is way more than $350,000. The airport alone, that had to have been a couple million dollars worth of damage. They, they plowed a plane into a cafeteria. They could have <laughs> killed people.
0: Yeah, well, or even the, the Crump, I think mean, it was the Crumps, when they're in that like hardware store or whatever, oh, basement, and, and they like blow it up. Fireworks. They're like, like burning things down, destroying stuff. All because they got locked in like in the ha-
1: and the police know they're in there doing that.
0: Yeah, I think that was kind of a weird thing. Like obviously they were the movie starts and the police were chasing after uh, the guy, you know, who had stole the right, money. Right. And I, I was confused at first because when the, I guess it was like the, the detectives or, her, or whomever there when they find the guy walking down. Right. My first thought was like, oh, these guys aren't cops. Yeah, that's they what were I like thought. bad guys because they just they never actually say uh, they never actually say they're cops. Right. They just kind of, in, you know, everyone that who's standing there just infers that that they're they're police. And I'm like, I, I noticed that no one ever was, he never corrected them or said, oh, I'm a detective or whatever. They never said, well, here we are. I thought they were like bad guys, kind of like yeah. The one guy says like, oh, are
1: you the cops? And he doesn't answer him. He just exactly. starts asking questions.
0: Yeah, yeah, that did seem a little shady. But, but- it is weird that they just kind of have this full on surveillance over all of these people. <laughs> it was it was just. You almost have The police have to
1: are a narrator. That's all they're really there for. Right. They're to narrate the movie. They're
0: the, they're the side commentary, like at, ha- having the audience be able to kind of f- keep up with what's going right. on. yeah. Make sure we understood who's, who who was who, getting people's names right.
1: Especially after, when you come back from intermission, they're, you're like in the police office and the one police officer is kind of summing up to the other guy what's going on. Right. It's like, well, these people are in this car. It's like, oh, okay, thanks. I just got my snacks. I don't remember what's going on in exactly. the movie. You're <laughs> filling me in.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely an interesting aspect to it uh, and I think made it a little bit more funny because they were kind of rooting for (laughs) when they were – when the crumbs get locked in the basement, they kind of have the thing about, uh, oh, we'll let them out and the one guy's like – That
1: ain't fair. It ain't fair. What ain't fair? They got themselves in there. They ought to be able to get themselves out. Uh, After all, if you help them, you're not being fair to the others. But the moment anybody gets to where they're going, we're going to pick them up. So what difference does it make? Who gets there Uh, first? It's a race, ain't it? What do you want to help that dentist for? Me? I've been pulling all the while for that other guy, Pike,
0: with the furniture van. The rules ought to be the same for everybody. Otherwise, it just ain't fair. Central to F7. No, we'll leave them where they are. See what happens. Watch all the exits, but render no assistance. Over. Are you happy? (laughs) He just kind of smiles.
1: Yeah, that was, I mean, that's all there for you as the audience. It's not, it doesn't serve any purpose for the movie. I like that. I liked having, um, somebody there to just kind of keep things straight. The map on the wall kind of gave you an idea of like, all right, they're up here. This is where they're going. They're right. maybe halfway through. So I know I'm not halfway through the movie.
0: <laughs> Did we talk about how Peter Falk was in this? When we had, I know when we talked about cameo. One of the, the cab time. drivers. Yeah.
1: yeah it, that was more than just a cameo though. Cause Yo, he, he was, was like, oh, lines. yeah,
0: he, is. he was definitely in it, but yeah. And I, uh, I thought that was just kind of funny because at first you hear his voice and you're like, that's Peter Falk. And then he's, yeah, he had definitely he was, ended up being a main. And the main other cab driver,
1: him. I don't know if it's just his middle name, uh, Rochester, but he was, he was always on the Jack Benny show with Jack mm-hmm. Benny. He yeah. was like his kind of like, butler or something
0: and the three stooges did we say the three stooges were in that's a true cameo the camera just kind of pans by and they were just like they're just there as the firefighters
1: yeah i was really expecting with the amount of slapstick in this movie that they were gonna get into some shenanigans but you never see it
0: yeah and i didn't know if the guy who was colonel wilberforce which one was he he was the guy he was the colonel giving which was a whole funny thing in and of itself because carl reiner that was carl reiner no yeah i think
1: so in the pilot's tower yeah yeah, I think that was Carl Reiner.
0: I don't think it was. I think I think he would. Carl Reiner was was the guy who was standing up, the tower operator. He was yeah. like, no, Isn't the Colonel. Will, no, Colonel Wilberforce is the guy who was like the guy giving them directions on the plane of how to land and oh, stuff. Oh, oh, oh. The which guy was who gets whole, tangled up in the right, wire. He's like this, which was kind of funny because he's this this. You expect him to be this air, you know, he's like a Air Force Colonel or whatever, and giving the pilot. And as the thing goes on and on, he's getting like way too into it and he's right. got he wrapped himself around he falls out of the tower it was just like getting super stressed out about it now the stick that you're holding there uh, that is i assume that a uh, man are you holding that stick is somebody holding that stick over what stick oh the wheel i'm holding it we both holding it oh, good. but the one thing that was funny was to me was that uh when they said his his name was Colonel Wilberforce, and I and I thought of an episode there's an episode of the West Wing where mm. Martin Sheen and um and his wife Abigail Bartlett are sorry, but the president and, and his wife uh Bartlett are in the their like bedroom or whatever, and they're talking about something. And he goes on this little riff about people naming their cats after like having like human names, and he yeah. he says Whatever happened to Mrs. Wilberforce?
1: She moved to Miami and took up massage. Really? Last I heard. What The
0: hell are you talking about? What,
1: you're the one who asked Wasn't me. Wasn't Mrs.
0: What? Wilberforce our cat? She was our housekeeper. Really? But I wondered if that was an old, <laughs> ref, if that was a reference that you know Aaron Sorkin had put into the show to Could reference. Be. It's a Mad 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 World because it's just such an odd name to have in there.
1: You know, there was uh, a, an episode of The Simpsons, and I don't remember why this happens, but there's somebody in that episode who says that there's like a million dollars. Buried under a big T in oh, Springfield. Really? There's some like shot-for-shot shot kind of remakes, and I remember there's one guy. He's not a regular character on The Simpsons, but he, I think, is supposed to be uh Otto Meyer mm-hmm. from here. And he's in a car trying to cross a river at one point. Yeah. And Milhouse like tells him, "Yeah, you can cross the oh, river," yeah, and he so like, it's like can't a cross. Of the movie he's and... like, "You told me I could cross <laughs> this river." And he's yelling at him as the car like sinks yeah. down. As soon as that scene came on, I'm like, oh, wait, this was in The Simpsons. Well, and that
0: that scene's another good one, too, of going back to those, like, st- comedic bits because he's sitting in the car as it sinks, and he's just sitting there with his arms crossed, and he, right. doesn't, he move, doesn't care, and it just sinks down, completely goes over his hat and everything. It's just, it's just completely ridiculous.
1: And he just stole that kid from his parents. He did. He just
0: kidnapped. It's like, I
1: get in the car. All right. It's like a six-year-old kid. He just drives away with him, and nobody seems to care. Uh, the, the other thing that usually bothers me in movies like this are the like old timey talks where people were like, what's the big idea? Or I tell you, what do you mean? Just a minute by George, like things that nobody really says, but yeah. they were so quick in this that it didn't really bother me. And that the characters who were saying it, it was their type of personality. It wasn't like just old timey right. talk that. I think we had talked about this. It's like a name for that. It's like a fake. It was like the, uh, a name given to a style of talk that was like taught in acting schools. Oh, but it wasn't like yeah, a real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like nobody really talked like that. Yeah. It was it was only a few people that really did it. Like the British guy. Oh, absolutely. it? Is, yeah. I say I'm most frightful as on it. I say jolly nasty accent. Jolly lucky nobody was hurt. The Colonel Hawthorne
0: oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, Colonel and some Hawthorne. of the other people. I liked how that, speaking of just the way he was talking, but he, he had that super, like, stereotyped British accent. Yes. And when Ethel Merman gets in the car, and she's like, are you from Harvard? Uh, when did you get that funny accent? Are you from Harvard or something? Harvard? Oh, I'm not. I'm English. Sounds so foreign. Yeah, it was
1: like a very ritzy type of English, like not not something you would hear nowadays. I feel like I never hear somebody with that type of accent in a British right. That's. I even turned to you at one point and said, is is his real voice?
0: Yeah, I think it, it definitely is. Uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up to that I thought really made this movie stand out more uh, was we didn't really talk about the frame rate. Not the frame rate, I'm sorry. Just like the framing of it. It was shot in, because it came up on the screen during the opening credits, which we should talk about the opening credits scene in a minute. Uh, but it said it was shot in Ultra Panavision.
1: Yeah, I saw that. So know it know was even meant.
0: more widescreen than wide like the normal widescreen would be it was two seven six
1: yeah two seven six to one
0: and even nowadays the average like the, the normal widescreen ratio of a movie like a big blockbuster movie like a marvel movie would be 186 point three five to one all right <laughs> yeah that's and we've talked about aspect ratios before but i mean that was back in this i mean at this era was really i guess like into the f- 50s was when they started doing you know we talked about this before about like people television mm-hmm. do the widescreen stuff but i mean this was shot as like an epic film yeah even the cinematography was really really good i thought i mean th- almost the entire i'm um, actually pretty much the entire movie was shot outside yeah very few exceptions of yeah. indoor scenes
1: the colors were great
0: and the, yeah the color was really good i mean the, this blu-ray restoration of it was really good i thought yeah it um, said it
1: was restored from a f- it was like a 4k restore or something which right. i don't get since we're watching it on blu-ray and i know you've explained this to me before but i don't follow all that
0: right so it's not a the the criterion hat hasn't released anything that's on a 4k blu-ray disc so essentially what a 4k like if it's made from a 4k restoration or however they phrase it if it's from a 4K, restored
1: 4k digital film transfer right so of what that the general release. so what
0: that means is they scanned the 35 millimeter print so this movie would have been shot on 35 millimeter film right they scanned that in at 4k okay so by scanning, they scanned it into 4K. They restored it at that resolution, and then it's converted down to high definition 1080p to be put onto the Blu-ray disc.
1: Okay, so, so if they wanted is, to re-release this in 4K, they already have it. Now. Exactly,
0: exactly. That I think as we go through the Criterion Collection, there's a they highlight the restorations and more so because that that's the big thing with the Criterion Collection is yeah. that they're taking films. And doing great restorations of them, and that if you have a the Criterion version of a film, it's going to pretty much be the best version of the film you'll see. 4K technology is in TVs and Blu-rays is new, but they're, they're scanning them in at that to have more resolution to work with from like a digital perspective. But we've I think watched movies or I've at least seen. Uh, some that have, say, that it's, a, it's a 2K resolution. Yeah, which I think would Pan's still Labyrinth be, was the
1: 2K resolution. Right, so it would
0: still be higher than high definition.
1: Right, but they don't have as much to work with if they're trying to clean up anything, like remove, remove grain or... Um, right,
0: and I don't know what the decisions are behind doing that. I'm sure it costs more, and it takes more time, like more data to scan something in at 4K.
1: Yeah, it could be how, how it was shot originally, too. So something like Pan's Labyrinth, and I don't know this, it, it could have been digital when it was shot, because no, that more, would have
0: been shot on film.
1: But yeah. something that's more recent it may not need to be. I don't know. I was going to say like, so this was a, a 60s movie. So it, there was probably more to clean up on it because it's an older, older film. It was film, whereas something that might be more modern or digital it probably doesn't need to be. I mean, if it's digital, they probably don't even need to.
0: Well, no, if it's digital, it was sh- either shot at, you know, in high definition shot at 4K. Yeah.
1: This um, is the amateur part of our statement about <laughs> amateur film, because I don't know what I'm talking about.
0: Well, either way, what I was getting to was the yeah. aspect of how it was shot. Was that it? And I think I might have mentioned this earlier, but I, I really felt like it was it was shot like an action movie. It was, yeah. And it, and there were a lot of scenes in it that we have, that we've talked about that were very action movie, like mm-hmm. the explosions and huge. The even though they were comical, yeah, the cartoones. But like the fight scenes were were comical fight scenes. They weren't right. like overly. But there was a couple, you know, shots that I really liked from a cinematography aspect was definitely the opening scene of like the helicopter shots of the car, kind of winding road and and all that. And I really liked towards the end of the movie, the shot of from within the hole that they were digging, kind of looking up and you see all the characters' heads are kind of in a big circle around the edge of the frame. And they kept cutting back to that as they're looking in to see what it was. I really liked that. I thought that was a great They did that in The
1: Simpsons too at the end. Oh, did they? They're all digging the hole. I think that's how it ends. They never actually find it, but they're still digging a hole. And then they realize they've dug the hole so deep nobody can get out of the hole and, and... I think the chief is yelling at them like, no, dig up, stupid. (laughs) It's a good episode. Uh, I think the aspect ratio worked pretty well here, too, with some of those car chase scenes. Because the road is so windy, you could get a lot of the road in the shot. And you're seeing like you really see all the surrounding. I think that really adds to it. You're not just watching like one section of roads that pass. You see them winding through the mountain and you see this car is passing this car. Now this car is pulling ahead. You can get all that in one giant shot versus having to cut back and forth and back and forth.
0: I think you kind of mentioned earlier about even just the, the cost of how like what the budget of this movie must have been almost the whole thing was shot on I mean it was all shot on location yeah there were some obvious things that were shot on sound stages and stuff like that but I mean I, I, it, we, we definitely have to look up what the budget of this was if you can find it like on IMDB and then what the what the gross was to
1: but that. even the so even the film screens behind the cars when they're doing the indoor car shots the film screen they're showing I think is it looks just like the same shot of the outside of the car oh
0: yeah they would have had a second unit or whatever shooting the on you know shooting those things as they were
1: yeah so they did i mean that was all still shot on location even though it's on a film screen later really good i was very surprised with how well the production of this was made i I was expecting a much cheesier looking film i I mean stanley kramer is the director i believe I i don't know what else he's done i don't know if i've ever seen anything else he's done i don't know if you know of anything he's done, um,
0: no. I don't.
1: The name was familiar to me, but I don't. I don't know what I've seen. I don't know if he had amazing connections to get this many well-known actors into one movie. I feel like this is like the love actually of the sixties, <laughs> yeah. where you're just like, hey, you, you, you know, we're doing this movie. Just have a right. Park.
0: It's kind of like an oceans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh I mean, obviously, the original oceans was the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but then just to have that, you know, all star cast of just like everybody wants to kind of be in the movie. I was trying to think of another recent comedy that was like that. I mean, obviously, when you get into some of the like, you know, we talked about The Hangover, but right. I know there's sequels kind of. There's like a, lot a whole of,
1: series of like the Love Actually type movies where they do them like there's like a New Year's Eve one. There's like a Valentine's Day one where they just get all these. I wouldn't say A-level actors, but at least B-level actors that you're like, oh, that's uh, George Lopez or like people you know. It right. may not be cream of the crop, uh, but they all just come together for bit cameo parts.
0: Right, and it's obviously everyone was having a good time making, oh, yeah. making the movie. It reminds me of the TV show Psych, because it's that, that show gets so go- was so goofy and over the top, and they had so many celebrity cameos, mm-hmm. almost one per episode, if not more than one per episode. Uh, but it was just kind of, it was a fun show to watch because you knew that everyone was having fun making it, uh, and it was silly to be silly. Which is kind of what this movie was. You go yeah. you go to this movie, you see that lineup of who everyone is in this movie, you know that it's just going to be um, completely ridiculous. And I thought what was... We haven't talked about the opening scene. So the credits? Just, yeah, the opening credits, which we've we've mentioned before uh, when we've watched the movies that movies really don't do this anymore where they the opening goes through all the credits. Because when right. this movie ends... It just is the end. It was the end right. and there were no credits. It was just music playing on a black screen, right. which is funny enough how the movie opened and I think we both sat here and we're kind of like uh, I mean something wrong something like wrong we saw the MGM line come up and do that and then the screen just goes the black. screen just goes black and it's playing you know uh the theme song of it's a mad 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 world and we're like I don't know I think this is messed up
1: but it does the whole song so we're staring at a black screen for like three minutes straight it, Oh yeah and I I think I turned to you I'm like you have the right remote press. Like, what yeah. did you switch inputs? Something seemed weird. Yeah, I felt like my parents watching a movie. Oh, it's good.
0: Did you change your channel? Right, What's or happened? it was like uh, it was kind of like the end of The Sopranos when it just ends and you're like, <laughs> uh, uh, no, HBO
1: heck? goofed up. Something's not yeah. right here.
0: Well, and then the 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 opening credits was really good um just being a whole uh animated sequence yeah uh, with the globe and like um there was a kind of this like little guy who was kind of looked like the spy versus spy guy popping like, out great, of the yeah popping the out of the globe and yeah. the globe he's like you know like trying to hammer it shut and there's like it planes flying around kind of foreshadowing a lot of what was happening in the movie gonna happen in the movie yeah with things kind of the even the little biplane kind of puttering around then ends up we oh, end up yeah, seeing yeah. that so yeah, I thought that was kind of a cool way to set it up, and just the goofiness of of seeing the the animated sequence kind of let you into what was what was going to happen.
1: The style of the animation was making me think of like uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle, or like the Pink Panther. Yes. Um,
0: well, all all from the '60s.
1: Yeah, I don't. I guess that was how you did credits back then. But I read a little bit that the team that did the animation for this is also the animation team that did a Charlie Brown Christmas. Ah. So different different style but uh yeah. yeah it was done really well a lot of the, like little funny things happening there with the credits.
0: Yeah, I mean this is one of those movies where I think it would be you know you go like be able to like go back in time and sit in a theater when it came out just to kind of see the audience's uh audience's reaction to everything. You know, just to see how cuz we're sitting here and we had a couple moments where we laughed at out loud yeah. at a few things. I know that I'm sure to to people who were watching this when it came out like I'm sure the laughter would have been you know, a lot more and or there were moments and probably even jokes that we didn't get because they were yeah. timely or referencing other things. Or people know, I'm sure these actors were in so many other things that I, I wonder how many more nods to or little references to other things that they've been in or characters that yes. they played were in here that we just completely missed because we weren't as deeply familiar with their work.
1: One of the car chases goes past a policeman who's like directing traffic and the, he, had, he he's somebody... I don't know who he is, but the camera really paused on his face and he like whistles and it's kind of, it definitely seemed like a nod to whoever this person is or who he's played, but that was lost on me. I didn't know who it was. Some of the humor felt very ad-libbed, like some of the lines, especially more towards the beginning, it's like, this is kind of the gist of what we want you to say, go with it because they're all comedians. So they probably did a couple takes where like. Like Mickey Rooney's just saying something, and then the other guys are kind of working off of that.
0: I don't know. There was definitely a lot of that, especially with Mickey Rooney and um, Buddy Hackett, because they're just like arguing with each other. Yeah. And it was just done. I mean, obviously they're great comedians, but just the way they're going back and forth with each other, it was just so well done. I th- I mean, did how you catch? You not?
1: So uh, Mickey Rooney's name is Bell, mm-hmm. and Buddy Hackett is Benji. Yeah. But the, so their full names are Ding Bell. And the other guy is Benji Benjamin. like. But nobody ever calls him that. Right. It's just
0: like a weird. They introduce themselves as that to. Uh, Bell and Ben or something. Yeah, like to. Uh, What's his name? Fitzgerald, the pilot. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Howell.
1: I mean, plot wise, there's not much to go on on this. It's just like one slapstick comedy after another. The main premise of how the guy got the money was. Whistle- it was a t-
0: tuna factory robbery. <laughs> it's almost like, you know, it is. It's it, kind of just ridiculous yeah. in and of itself. And there's these like little side plots going on that do a good job of setting up the captain in what he was doing because yeah. you, he has the whole issue with his wife and his daughter. His pension. Yeah, and that's stressing out he wants to retire. He's trying to like get the pension, you know, get his pension increased uh, so he can retire. He wants to take his wife on a on a trip, a three-week vacation to Hawaii. And he just kind of like when, when the when the chief of police comes in and tells him, obviously they're not going right. to, you know. They're not going to increase his pension. He kind of just hes there and, and he's holding up the two phones, one with his daughter who's like at the bus station about to leave and his wife on the phone. He's holding up the receivers to each other to have a conversation. Your wife, she's on the other <laughs> phone. Ginger? Yeah. Now listen, Ginger, I've got Billy Sue on the other line. Uh, uh, Billy Sue, just wait one minute, will ya? Ginger? I'm here. Ginger, can you hear Billy Sue? She's crying. Billy Sue? She's in the bus station and she's crying, but she's waiting for you to tell her. Billy Billy Sue, are you, are you listening? Billy? Are you listening to your mother? Billy Sue, your mother is speaking. Listen to your mother, sweetie. Billy Sue? Billy Sue, listen to your mother! And that's all going on, and they're crying and yelling at each other while the police chief is telling him, ah, you know, you're not going to get your increase in your pension.
1: That was, yeah, I liked how he was putting the phones together. I, I've been watching, um, Amazon has a series called The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which takes place in the '60s, mm-hmm. and there's a scene where Tony Shaloub, his character, oh uh, yeah, he has he has somebody on the phone, and he makes them wait, and he runs out off camera and brings in this giant box, which is like one of the first speaker phones, and he has he like has to. Put the handset onto this um, thing and like yeah, plug I've it in, in, and the then because yeah. they're both trying to listen in.
0: Table. I'm talking
1: to Shirley. Shirley, quick, oh. Oh, tell her to hang on. I want to put her on speakerphone.
0: Shirley, will you hold on just one minute?
1: You're not hanging up on me, are you?
0: No, I'll be right back. People think I'm such a strong
1: person, but
0: I'm not. Hurry before she hangs herself with the phone cord. Okay, and
1: go. I don't know. It reminded me of that that scene here. I thought they also did a good job of. You, we start off with five characters really the five guys and at the end when they're digging the hole there's 15 people there yep. and they're all you know pretty main characters at that point and i, I thought they do a good job with these like little side well you know this is my son-in-law and this son-in-law and right like you're just slowly building and building more people into this elaborate plot with very little to to go on, to bring them in because you're not going to spend time with character development, Mm -hmm. but it's just like, how does, how does this person tie into this person tie into this cab driver or the police chief? Uh, I think they did a good job bringing that all together.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I thought they did a great job with that. Yeah. I mean, all in all, I, uh, I I thought this was a a great movie. I definitely watch it again. Yeah. I, I think I had seen it a long time ago. I, I didn't really, I remembered a couple things from it, but not, not a lot. Uh, it had been uh, a really, uh, really long time since then. I know it's one of my dad's uh, favorite movies and he was the one who uh, <laughs> wanted us to, uh, to watch, to watch the film. So uh, that's all. Uh, that's it for this episode of Criterion on the couch. You can find the show notes at criterion on the com slash. It's a mad, 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 mad world. That's four mads. Yeah. Uh, or just we- go to the main site and, uh, click to the episodes (laughs) Uh, next time we'll be discussing my dinner with andre Uh, don't forget to check us out on facebook on twitter we're at criterion couch and on instagram we're at criterion on the couch i'm adam york with jim Massessa. thanks for listening see you next time